December 1st, 2021. We're in Masechet Rosh if you count from the top of the page, eight lines down. And it's two words before the end of the line. We're just finishing a concept, a discussion we had yesterday. If you recall very briefly, what we discussed yesterday was how the Mishnah told us, Masi'in Masu'ot, they used to raise up those fires at the top of mountains. These torches which were notifying everyone throughout Eretz Yisrael and then ultimately speaking all the way through until Bavel and then everyone in Bavel would understand as well when Rosh Chodesh had arrived, what day was the new, the, was the new moon, what did we begin the new month. And the Gemara made clear this was only done Bechodesh Shinira Bizmano, which means to say only on a 29 day month on day 30. You wouldn't do it on day 31, and the Gemara deliberated and wasn't fully understanding exactly why. Why don't you do it on both? And Gemara went back and forth, explained all that to us, but ultimately speaking was left with a question. That's what we ended off with. It's the last line in the Gemara on this, on this theme. And that is, we understand, says the Gemara, that it would be inappropriate, it would be confusing in a particular circumstance to do it on both times. In other words, both for full months and for the Chodesh uh, Haser, both for the 29 and for the 30. But why did you decide, rabbis, to do it only for the 29-day months? Why didn't you do it instead for the 30-day months? If you remember, that's what the logic ended, at, uh, ended us with. You could only do it in order to not confuse the people for one of the two circumstances, either when Rosh Chodesh is on day 30 or when Rosh Chodesh is on day 31. The last question was, why do you choose when Rosh Chodesh is on day 30 as opposed to when it's on day 31? Ask the Gemara, Ve'le'aved amaleh ve'la'aved why didn't they do it, in other words, raise up those torches in our notification system for the male, for the full months, instead of the haser, instead of the 29-day months? Amar Abaye Mishum Bitul Abaye answered, the reason is a very practical one, and that is because of Bitul Melacha. There was a fear that we would uh, bring people away from doing work for two days unnecessarily. Instead of just one day, it would be two days, two interpretations to this Gemara. Rashi explains this Gemara as describing a circumstance where you have Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, every single year, you would have the following predicament. Once upon a time, when we had this torch system, there was no Yom Tov Sheni Shal Galuyot. Everybody knew exactly on what day Rosh Chodesh was established. This is explicit Rashi Masech Beza, but our Gemara implies it throughout. The only safek, the only doubt we have with regards to Rosh Chodesh is when we're no longer doing it based on this torch system. If they established the new moon, they determined when Rosh Chodesh is, you send out your torch system, everybody's notified, there's no Yom Tov Sheni, there's no reason to doubt or be suspicious. Maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow. As a result, that was true as well for Rosh Hashanah. However, of course, Rosh Hashanah is on the first day of the month. What would happen in a circumstance where the previous month was 29 days? Easy. On day 30, they were notified, today is Rosh Hashanah, and they would act accordingly. What about if it's on day 31, and you only send out the torches on day 31, in, in, in other words, only when it's a Chodesh Maleh, again, the circumstance is such that for a Chodesh Haser, you don't send up the torches, you don't notify people. It means on day, 20, day 30, you're never fully certain, is today Rosh Chodesh, is it not Rosh Chodesh? You'll only find out the next day, 
If they put up torches, it means day 31 is Rosh Chodesh. If they don't put up torches, it means yesterday was Rosh Chodesh. So we understood about that. If I'm only putting up torches on one of the two days, meaning the second of those two days, meaning day 31, it means day 30, I'm never fully certain whether it's Rosh Chodesh. Day 31, sometimes I find out retroactively today is and was Rosh Chodesh. Sometimes I determine the day before and was Rosh Chodesh. What's that? You would never be sure that Rosh Chodesh was on day 30, correct, if they did it in such a way. As a result, you already understand, it would mean that necessarily every year you would have a two-day Rosh Hashanah, right? In other words, if I can't determine which day is Rosh Hashanah immediately, I have to wait until tomorrow. So it's true, sometimes I would find out tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, no, no, uh, no torches, it means today was not Rosh Chodesh. It means only yesterday was Rosh Hashanah. But I had a safik. I had two days I was uncertain about. Sometimes they'd put up the torches on the second day, but already on the first day, on day 30, I was keeping Rosh, Rosh Hashanah with all of its Yisurei Melacha. As a result, says the Gemara, the easier way to avoid having the people prevent themselves from Melacha, from working for two days, is you do on day 30 the torch system. You notify on day 30. Now, if I saw the torches on day 30, I said, today was Rosh Hashanah, Chala Shalom. Mal Yisrael, I'm done with my Rosh Hashanah. Day 31, back to work. I know I said it Yemei Teshubah, but back to work. Alternatively, in a circumstance where there was no torch on day 30, all right, so now I know on day 31, it's Rosh Hashanah. But in such a circumstance, by doing the torches on day 31, on a Maleh, I would be mevatel the people necessarily every day, every year from two days of melacha. We'd rather prevent that. Of course, today, this is not a relevant reality. We have two days Yom Tov, even when we know exactly when it is. We have two days Rosh Hashanah, even though, though we know exactly when it is as well. This is to, dealing with the time. What's that? What is what, what, uh, hang on to that thought. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to affect us. I, I don't know about you. I do melacha on Rosh Chodesh. The issue in our... But the issue in the Gemara is because of bitu melacha. Two days Rosh Chodesh, they're not too nervous about, according to Rashi. What's that? Was not always too. Correct. Correct. They would have to do two days, and we were trying to prevent that. That's right. Now, Tosafot, on the left-hand side, I'm not sure if this is where you were angling, Charlie, but this is the way they go. They record a uh, tradition. There's a tradition of sorts that the way it used to work once a long, long time ago was that it was determined, it was supposed to be, so to speak, that Rosh Chodesh would be like Hola Mo'ed. Hola Mo'ed, although many of us perhaps are not familiar with the laws, Hola Mo'ed has Isurim. It has Yisurei Melacha. It's called Chol HaMo'ed. It's still Mo'ed and there are Yisurei Melacha. There are permitted uh, activities, but there are many forbidden activities. Rosh Chodesh was supposed to be similar to that. However, according to the tradition, once we uh, committed the sin of Heta Egel, once we uh, took the jewelry from our wives, the men, and gave it to Aharon, we lost the 12 tribes, lost the 12 months of Rosh Chodesh, and the status of that day is a day of Yisurei Melacha, an elevated Yom Tov, we lost. However, the jewelry was almost forcibly, if you read the pasu carefully, taken from the women. The ne women never part partook willingly in Heta Egel. As a result, according to tradition, women maintained the sanctity of Rosh Chodesh, whereas the men lost it. Therefore, in Siman Taf Yod Zayin, Shohan Aruch Tur and Shohan Aruch record that the custom all the way back was for women not to do melacha on Rosh Chodesh. 
Now, is that uh, maintained today? I guess you have to ask your wife or your mother or your grandmother, your child, whatever it is. But generally speaking, that was a long-standing tradition. Was it in the last many hundred years fully observed as Yisur Melachat to the extent that it was like Holomoed? Not to the best of my knowledge, the Nosei Kelim do debate this, do discuss this, but there are, were supposed to be, and are supposed to be for women, certain prohibited activities on Rosh Chodesh as a commemoration or as a reality to the fact that they didn't succumb to Chaita Egel, so to speak, they kept Rosh Chodesh. As a result, says Tosafot, all that being the case, that's the explanation in our Gemara. When our Gemara says, Mishum Bitum Melacha, not only talking about Rosh Hashanah, it's talking about every Rosh Chodesh, specifically for women. Are we now going to make it that the women are not able to do those melachot for two full days? Or should we instead bring the masuot on the first of those two days, potentially Rosh Chodesh, meaning on day 30, to determine whether that's Rosh Chodesh or not? If you saw the torch on day 30, you say, okay, today was the Rosh Chodesh Chalas. If you didn't see it on day 30, so in that circumstance, it's true, you'll have to wait until day 31. But if you make the torch only on day 31, every single time, that's the Rosh Chodesh, it means every single month we'll have an Isur Melacha Misafik two days. All right, well, that's the Gemara. According, according to Tur Shohanaruch Siman Taf Yodzayin, it still exists. There are still many women who still observe. I can't tell you women in our community. What's that? Yes, the Nosei Kilim discuss it and debate it. It's not a full-fledged Yisur Melacha. It's at most the Yisur Melacha of Holamu'id. But even so, the specific one is Arigai's weaving of sorts. In other words, it was... I hate to use this word, but there were token activities which were kind of maintained to say there's a status of this day which separates it from others. Doesn't mean necessarily that several hundred or thousand years ago they weren't doing any melacha, in other words, just like halamu'ed, so to speak. But in terms of Yisur melacha, there is supposed to be a maintained reality. I can't tell you the full history. I can tell you that's Siman Taf Yodzain. That's what Tosafot is referring to over here. Says the Gemara onward, Kesad Masi'in Masu'ot, Mevi'in Klunzot, Vechule. Now the Gemara will be a highly detailed, almost minutia-filled Gemara here with regards to the status and the types of cedar trees. So stay tuned. Before we read it, let me just remind you, there is an importance to cedar trees in our tradition. The Torah and Parashat Chukat tells us that part of the mixture that was put together for Tahara, the person who became Tamed Amet, both Kohen and Israel and Levi, anyone who became Tamed Amet, of course you needed Serefat Para, you needed the Para Aduma, but they would be together with it Etz uh, Erez and Sheni and Ezov, you'd have a mixture in which you'd have to use an Etz Erez. So it makes sense that the rabbis will be interested specifically in what is a cedar tree, what are the different types and species of cedar trees. That all being the case, stay tuned for the details on that. Says the Gemara, Amar Arba'a Mine Arazinhen. Why is the Gemara mentioning it in our context that there are four types of Etz Erez? Because our Mishnah described that they would have these Klunzot which were made of, the Mishnah said, Klunzot of Erez. Did it not? What was the exact? Said the Gemara, Klunzot shel Erez arukin. They would have these poles made of Erez, of cedar tree. As a result, says the Gemara, it's an appropriate time for us to pause and to reflect on the nature of cedar trees. What are the four types of cedar trees? Katrom, Etshemen, Ubrosh, all right, that's it. Excuse me, Arazin Hen, number one, Erez, Katrom, number two, Et Shemen, number three, Ubrosh, number four. I'm sure your English provides you ample explanation as to what each of these trees are. 
Don't look at me. But the Gemara will help us. Katrom, what's a katrom? Amara vadra, deber bishila, amre, mavliga. What is that type? A mavliga. What's a mavliga? You'll tell me another time. Ve amrela, zo gulmish. It doesn't say? It's just true. How do you like that? All right. Well, the botanist will help us with this. Amrela, others say it's zo gulmish. It's a different type of tree. All right. Fantastic. So we're not certain in the Gemara, even with regards to the four species of Ezer, is exactly what one of them is. Then the Gemara says, you should know, it's not only four species necessarily of cedar tree. Upiliga, this is a disputing, it's disagreeing with. According to this tradition, there are 10 types of cedar trees. Fascinatingly, the Gemara says there are either four types of cedar tree or ten types of cedar. Okay. This, no, for these contexts, you'd imagine it does not matter. Why are they interested in this? They're interested in this. They wanted to know this. You know, again, I told you more than anything, we care about our is for mitzvah in the Torah. Sadiqat We talk about eres as being something significant. I, I will go further, very briefly, and tell you, Talmud were very interested in Maaseh HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They wanted to know about the world. They were interested in anything and everything they came in contact with, and they liked to classify it, much as God did in our Torah, classification of nature, of science, and so forth. That's what they're doing over here. So this second opinion says there's 10 types of Eretz Interestingly, parenthetically, Tosafot points out from the Gemara and Masechet Sukkah and Daf Lamed Zayin, it seems to be clear there without getting into the details how, on another occasion we kept when we learned Sukkah, that perhaps these two opinions don't actually disagree about whether there are four types or 10 types. Everybody agrees there are really 10 types. The question is the normal way of speaking. When I say Eretz what am I referring to? Who cares what am I referring to? which means to say if I get into a business dealing with you and I say I'll give you 10 bundles of Eretz now that's the dispute here in the Gemara did you mean of those 4 type or did you mean any of those 10 type everybody agrees that the 10 are in the scientific system so to speak part of uh, the botany system, part of the Eretz But when I said to you, I'll sell you for 10 bushels, did I mean of the 10, or did I mean specifically of the four, which are the ones people would refer to more specifically. Okay, says the Gemara, Amre Be'rab, Asara Mine Arazimem. Where'd they come up with 10? Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says. Now this Pasuk is describing Yemota Mashiach, or return to Eretz Yisrael, and Sefi Yeshayah, and it says, as we and everyone else enters into Eretz Yisrael, you should know, we're not going to be exposed to the elements. We're going to have lots of shade and protection. Etem bamidbar, I'm going to place in the desert, in that desolate area of Eres Yisrael, Eres, Shita, Vahadas, Ve'et Shaman, Asim, Ba'arava, Berosh, Tidhar, Ut'ashur, Yahtav. There's a reference to seven different types of trees over here. Of course, there's a problem over here. You just told me there are 10, and now you just mentioned only seven. But before we deal with that, let's deal with what each one of these mean. I can't be able to help you, but maybe your English will. Eres is arza. I think that one's easy enough. Eres is eres. Shita is turnita. They give you a translation? They say turnita, probably. Pine. Okay. Hadas. That's interesting. Is pine part of the cedar family? Okay. Hadas asa. Hadas. We know what that is. They're describing hadas as being part of the cedar family as well. Okay. Etshamin a parsema. I don't know. Parsem. 
Balsam. Ah, balsam. Okay, great. Berosh barta titar shagat ashur shurbina. All right, that's it. What do you want me to tell you? Make of it what you want. Says the Gemara over here. You told me you had ten, and now the pasuk references seven trees. What are you talking about? I, mean, I got four. All right, you just listed them. You say you have ten, and you cited a pasuk from Sefer Yeshaya. How God's going to protect you with these ten trees, but it only mentions seven. Says the Gemara. Kiatar avdimi amar hosifu alehem. Rav Dimi, when he came from Eretz Yisrael, he said, you should know, yeah, the Pasuk mentioned seven, but the rabbis had a tradition or determined there are three others. What are they? Alonim, Almonim, Almogim. Three others. How do they translate them? Elms, oh. Coral. Oh, those are good. So we know what those are. Alonim, Botme. I assume that means elms, yeah? Almonim, Balote. This is a description in the Aramaic of, again, you know, the, the, these types of trees, and now the rabbi said, but we don't know what that type of tree is, so they're breaking it down for the word they use for it. Almogin, kesita. Right, so those are the three ways. It's like I come from England, and I taught you three types of trees, and then I break it down for you in the American way. That's what the Gemara is doing over here. In other words, they're telling you one name, which we don't know what that is, and then they're breaking it down for themselves to say, you guys know what this is. In Aramaic, today, we refer to this as such. So Almogin is what they came from, Eretz Yisrael, describing one of those, and they say, oh, you know what that is, guys? That's Alonim, uh, which you tell me is Elms. Botme, and so forth. Ikade Amre, alternatively, what are the three they added on to those seven in the Pasuk? Aronim, Armonim, Almogin. What's Aronim? Are, what's Almonim? Dulave, what's Almogin? Kesita. All right, many different types of trees, and the Gemara is very deliberate and careful in determining and explaining to us what each of them mean. If you're building uh, uh, wood uh, bookcases or something like that, you might want to look into this. All right, anyway, says the Gemara onward. Uh, let's, let's deal a little bit more in these Pesukim that describe. Or if you're building a torch. If you're building a torch, indeed, right. <laughs> and let's look at these Pesukim, which are describing in Sefer Yeshaya the return to Eretz Yisrael. The Pesukim don't just describe how seven trees are going to protect us. They furthermore say, and I'll read to you the full Pesuk, Ki im sham adir Adonai lanu mekom neharim yeorim rahadei adayim baltelech bo oni shayit vesi adir lo yavrenu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to establish like this entrance way from, or this, this passage from the Mikdash, the way Rashi explains it, of these gushing rivers, these rushing and gushing rivers, which to the extent that a si adir, which adir of course means a strength of some sort, won't be able to traverse, won't be able to cross over it. They're going to be these rushing water that are so strong that something strong won't be able to pass over that What's a siadir? Says the Gemara, Amar Rav Zo Borne Gedola. It's a reference to a large ship or a large boat. Uh, it means the water is going to be so strong and so steady in terms of its stream emanating from the Mikdash, of course, water representing the flow of existence and of life, that uh, a boat that has a certain strength to it won't be able to cross, I guess, horizontally this river. Says the Gemara, what sort of boats would be looking to cross rivers in such a fashion? Why are we talking about this? Says the Gemara, you all know about these types of boats that we bring to the rivers and we use with regards to somehow hunting down cedar trees? Really? Says the Gemara, Heche Abdu. How do people cut certain cedar trees? How do they get to them and how do they pull them out? Mayetu shit alfe gavre. 
in order to uh, cut certain cedar trees, says the Gemara, they would, uh, and, and they're describing, I guess, a reality in their time or something they remember from beforehand. Mayitu means they would bring. Sheet, of course, is six. We switch the taf with the shin. Shesh. Alfe, of course, means a thousand. Gavre means people, men. So they'd bring 6,000 men. Bitresar yarcheshata. And they'd be working for 12 months. Tresar yarcheshata, 12 months of the year. The Amrela, alternatively, in order to go through this process, we're not dealing with building a bridge, but the, the, the parallel to it, cutting cedar trees. Teresar alfe gavre, 12,000 men. Beshita yarche, over the course of six months. Of, of the year. All right, so either 12,000 men over six months, 6,000 men over 12 months. You get the idea we're dealing with a lot of people over the course of a large amount of time. But what were they doing? Ta'anela hala. They would take a large ship and they would fill it with, lit'on means to fill on top of it, hala milashon hol. They would fill it with sand. What's the purpose of filling it with sand? Ad de shachna. So much sand onto this ship until it sunk down, the nahit, and it then rested on the bottom. Do we understand the, the sequence so far? So the, I, again, I think of building... Uh, they're, well, they're more than balancing. They, that's what it's called, sinking. balancing? Ballast. They're sinking. Balancing, yeah. Okay, says the Gemara. All right, so now, what did they do further from this? Uh, the nahit... Uh, says the Gemara, they would fill it with this Adishachna. Then the Gemara says Bar Amorae. Bar Amorae explains Rashi, my words, scuba divers, people who knew how to swim well. What would they do? The Katar Atune de Kitna says the Gemara, they would then take a flax, some, uh, some sort of uh, rope made of flax, and they would tie. Um, this ship, which was now sunk to the bottom, and they would then take it and tie it to the tree on the side. Why are they tying it to the tree on the side? Well, they want to pull out the tree on the side. Now, after you, you tied it into the tree, uh, you would then start relieving the ship of the water. What are you effectively going to do? Now the ship will rise up, it'll be tied to that tree, the water will rush away, grabbing the tree and pulling it out of the ground. That's their plan for how to cut down these trees. So as the Gemara, and you should know, what they would end up being able to do with this sort of cedar wood is they could get the price of had bitren, one for two, of silver. The value of this cedar tree, which again had all this effort going into it, filling up the boat with all of this uh, sand, having it then sink to the bottom, having someone tie it to the tree, having them then relieve it of all that sand, doing this over the course of a year or half a year with 12,000 people, 6,000 people, you can imagine the cedar wood was now very expensive. The cedar wood would go. Each measurement of that cedar tree would be valued at double in the measurement of silver. Says the Gemara onward, Telat Parvata Havyan. There were three Parvatan. What's a parvata? Rashi writes that in Old French it was called porto. 
right, ports, that's right. So there were three major boat ports for these sorts of large boats. Why are we talking about this in the Gemara? Let me remind you, very parenthetical. The Gemara was talking about the different types of cedar trees. The Gemara quoted the Pasuk in the Yeshaya, which describes when we're coming back to Eretz Israel, in that context, it said there'll be this stream, this river, which emanates from the Mikdash, and it'll be so strong that the Sea Adir won't be able to pass by. So Gemara, what's a Sea Adir? Why would you be using a Sea Adir? So Gemara, it's funny you ask that because it actually has to do with the cedar trees. You would use a Sea Adir in order to pull out those cedar trees. Says the Gemara, you should know for these sorts of large ships, these sort of large boats, there were three ports which would dispatch these sorts of boats. Where are they? And the Gemara seems to be describing in their time, Tarte be Romae, there were two in Rome, and one is in Persia. The two ports in Rome, Maskan Kasita, they would be able to raise up the Kasita, the cedar trees. Those were ports for the ships that would, uh, that would mine cedar tree. Uh, what about the uh, port, which was a significant one in Persia? Maskan Marganita. They would raise up from the bottom of the sea. Marganita. Marganita is pearls, right? So they would have their ships doing a similar thing, taking them into rushing water, sinking them, and then being able to pick up pearls. That's what they would use their ships, major ships in Persia. Umikareya, and it was known as, the, ports, the port area in uh, Persia was known as Parvata, the port of De Mashmahig, which means of monarchy, uh, says Rashi. Otashel Parsim Nikret Namal Shel Why was it known as that of monarchy? Pearls, I guess, designate monarchy. That's what their port was used specifically for. All very interesting details, which have little bearing on us today, but are interesting nonetheless. Big boat. Indeed. Says the Gemara on where Amar Biohanan calls Shitavishitashin at Lun Nochrim Yerushalayim, Atida Kadosh Baruchu Leha Haziran La. Says the Gemara, you should know, after the destruction and the exile from Yerushalayim, the non Jews cut down many of our trees. They took many of our trees and the wood from us. You should know, Agadosh Baruch Hu is going to bring all of those back to us. Not only are they going to grow and sprout in Yerushalayim, but literally he's going to somehow get it taken from those who took it from us and bring it back to Eris Yisrael. Shene'emar, eten bamidbar, Eres shita ve'en midbar el Yerushalayim. Shene'emar, Sion midbar ha'yeta ve'gomer. The Pasuk says, not that I'm going to sprout, not that I'm going to plant Eres in Eretz Israel, in, in, in Yerushalayim, in the Midbar. Rather, it says, eten. Eten means I will give. Giving means I'm taking it from somewhere else. Where am I taking it from? Our understanding of God. He's taking it from those who took it from us and bringing it back to Yerushalayim. What's Midbar? Midbar sounds like it's in the desert. The Gemara says the Derasha that the word Sion is associated with Midbar. Sion, of course, a reference to Yerushalayim. You think you took our wood, God's going to bring our wood back for us. You might recall uh, just a few days ago, Jack Ardweck talked about this in his Siyum on Masechet Rosh Hashanah. This line, a person who studies Torah but doesn't then teach it 
is like a hadas in the desert. Why are we talking about hadas? Why are we talking about the desert? This all comes together very beautifully in terms of our interesting and strange context. We talked about the Midbar just a moment ago. We called Yerushalayim, Sion, Midbar. We talked about hadas, maybe 20 lines up, when we said one of the Eres trees was hadas, which the Gemara said is Asa. So as a result, says the Gemara, let's put this together. A person who studies Torah and knows it, but doesn't then transmit it to others, is like a hadas in a desolate area. Hadas, of course, smells nicely, smells good. If you're in a desolate area, who's enjoying it? So you learned the Torah, but you didn't then spread it. You're fantastic. You smell good, but nobody smells you. Alternatively, not looking at this as negatively the hadas, but maybe there's a positive attribute to a person who's a hadas in a midbar-like area. There's a person who studies Torah and then enters into, quote, a desolate area. Not that nobody's there, not that he's keeping his mouth shut, but rather there's no one else teaching Torah at a high level. There's no other Talmudah Hachamim. In such a circumstance, not that we're putting him down and saying, wasted talent, a hadas in the midbar. Rather, you are Domela la hadas ba midbar, de haviv. You're a person who's beloved. You're a person who's an important asset. Nobody else is teaching that high-level Torah. We don't have those pleasant smells emanating from our Midbar area. You're the Hadas Bamidbar, the person who's Lomed Torah and then teaches it in desolate areas. Again, the, the, the tendency of many is, if I know Torah, I may as well go to the greatest of the yeshivot and teach where there's hundreds and thousands of students streaming through. The Gemara is giving an alternative uh, direction. It says, listen, you know Torah, go out and find the communities that don't have the Torah, don't have high level Torah, Chabad mode, maybe. Yeah, Chabad mode, I think, are getting you into religion. Are they into, are they teaching that much Torah? Maybe, I don't know much about Chabad. I mean, my uncle's Chabad, I have to be careful in talking about this. I think their objective more is to generate an, in, an energy, a kiruv, which means to bring you into the religion more than anything. I'm not saying they're not teaching it, but I don't think that's their, the shlichim, or their main objective is not the teaching of Torah, although I'm sure it's part of it. It says the Gemara, Ve'amar bi'ohanan o'ilahim you should know. I told you just a moment ago when the non-Jews exiled us and took our precious wood from Eretz Israel. God's going to bring it back. You should know. They don't have. That's their takana to a small extent. They took our wood. God will return it to us. They got a little bit of a takana. But there are certain matters that they'll never be able to fix that they affected negatively in the exile. Shneimad, as the Pasuk says, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises in the future, Tahata nehoshet avizahav. You know, they took from you nehoshet. What's nehoshet? Brass? Copper. They took copper in place of copper. I'm going to give you gold. Tahata barzel. Iron? Avi Kesef, instead of iron that was taken, that was seized from Yerushalayim, from Eretz Israel, I'll bring you silver. Instead of wood, which is high value as well, I'll bring you Nehoshet, copper, which is maybe a higher value. The precious stones, or the stones in general they took from you, I'll bring you Barzel, I'll bring you something even stronger and more steady and, and solid, and that is iron. However, that much I can fix, and I'll be fixing it for the Avdei Kochavim. They messed with you, I'll help you out, I'll fix it. You should know there's something that I won't be able to fix that they messed up. What's that? Tahat Rabbi Akiva v'chaverav my mevi'in. They took Rabbi Akiva, they killed Rabbi Akiva, the Romans. They killed Rabbi Akiva v'chaverav. The Gemara seems to reference in several places 
Ten Haruge Malchut, many people who were killed at the behest of the Romans. Who's going to take their place? That's irreplaceable. You can replace objects to replace a human being, a person who's unique in his attributes and his ability to teach Torah, to spread Torah, like Rabbi Akiva, and all of those who were his contemporaries who were killed. There's no Takana, the Ovdeko Chavim, the Romans, the Gemara is referring to, killed them. You should know that's what they're going to be most persecuted by God for, prosecuted by God for. Uh, says the Gemara, and it's about that, the fact not that they stole and they, um, and they took uh, our property and our, our wealth, but rather the Pasuk is referring to when it says viniketi damam lo niketi, that their blood will never be minuke, it'll never be clean, cleansed. That's a reference to the blood, the blood that they took of Rabbi Akiva and others. Question? Of course. So for Shkodesh, it's either one day or two days, and there's no, no restrictions on Shkodesh. What's the big deal for this Shkodesh? Now they have to take 10 days to go spread the word to the other cities. If it's when, when the exact day of the holiday is. I mean, you missed the vote on Shkodesh, and now catch them up. Okay. You had to get the word out in those circumstances all the way to Bavil. You're right. But we needed to get it quickly. We needed to get it quickly. Now, when you were Masi'in Masu'ot, you had no issue. You're right in terms of messengers. Keep in mind as well, it costs money to dispatch messengers. It's much easier to do this, uh, to do this uh, torch system. Uh, that, that, well, he's saying 10 instead of 15. He knows. He's, he's subtracting Shabbat. He's subtracting all those. That's why he said 10. Uh, oh, it's even less because you have Shabbat, you have so forth. But again, keep in mind, that's a lot more arduous. There's a lot more energy that goes in, a lot more money that goes into it. If you have the torches, if you kept the torches, you're in a lot better state. That's correct. We're not even doing it on all the months. We wouldn't send the messengers on the torches. is easy. Why not? Let everybody know. Do it in our words. Now everybody knows when to say uh, halal. You know what I'm saying? It's much easier in that respect. It's when you're sending messengers, then we only did it on six months. Because then, again, it costs a lot more money. It's a lot more danger, a lot more along the way. All right, this is what the Gemara set forth for us after the description of that. The Gemara will conclude these sorts of uh, technical issues in the next uh, 10, 15 or so lines and then continue with Mishnayot with regards to establishment of the new month. Baruch Amen, amen, amen.